New year, new you. And if the new you is dedicated and committed to trying a bunch of fun new craft beers, Johnny Summers, would you tell these people where to go? For sure. They should go to the Handlebar right here in Chico. They've got a ridiculously radical happy hour, seven days a week, 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get $1 off all of their many, many draft beer selection, as well as half off bottles of wine. They're ever delicious food menu access to a lovely patio if it's not raining which we can hope for even if it is even if it is get out there drink a drink an imperial stout in the rain and the wind live a little (laughs) be a man (laughs) go check out the handlebar they're at 2070 east 20th street right here in chico tell them max and johnny sent you why don't we begin This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hey, welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast and radio show based in Chico, California. I am Max Minardi. And I'm Johnny Summers. Hello. This week on the show, our thoughts on Tar, a psychological drama starring Kate Blanchett as a conductor named Lydia Tar and her life leading up to a live recording of her orchestra's performance of Mahler's Fifth Symphony. But before we get to any of that, Johnny, what are we drinking this week? We have got two beers from Frequent uh consumed beer, I suppose. We've done them a few times in the past. Yeah. Uh, Altamont Beer Works out of Livermore, California. The first is Wowie Nugs. It is a double dry hopped West Coast IPA at 6.5%. And it's also a collaboration with friends of the show Slice Brewing in Lincoln. So super stoked to get into that. Beer number two is going to be Crew Brew Pineapple Kush Pale Ale. It's a 5.6% pale ale. I like that those ABVs are reversed. That makes me happy. Right. If you're listening on KZFR 90.1 FM, we hope you're having a terrific Thursday. Though as a quick heads up, you're only going to be hearing our first 30 minutes of the show, which includes our first beer review and the spoiler-free portion of our discussion of TAR. That said, if you are so inclined to listen to this show in its entirety, which includes spoilers for TAR, our thoughts on Pineapple Kush, and the always entertaining Hot and Bothered segment, Johnny will tell you what to do. Go search for the Fresh Hop Cinema Podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, etc. We release new episodes every Friday morning at 7 a.m. and have been doing so since 2016. If you like the show, feel free to leave us a five-star rating on the Apple Podcasts and let us know you did. Go brag about being really cool and generous to all your friends. It's your good deed for the year. Uh, to hang out with us on social media, also do more than that this year. But yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a good start. Yes. Uh, so hang out with us on social media, search Fresh Hop Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, or Untapped, or just head over to our website, freshhopcinema.com. Right. That's especially important, by the way, because uh, Johnny's been keeping his Letterboxd up to date, which means if you're a radio listener and you don't typically stick around to the end of the show on the podcast, you can still check out our Letterboxd and you'd be like, here's Johnny's quick recommendations. And I have a special feeling there's um, some movies that he will give you an opinion on later in the show today that you'll want to know. Can confirm. All right, let's talk Patreon. It's a way for listeners to support our show on an episodic basis. You can give us a couple bucks and we give you some cool things in return. Johnny, what are some examples of those cool things? Man, you get first shot at runs of merch. You get all kinds of event activities. We we do bonus content almost every single week without fail. So so with, with fail. You know, yeah. With fail sometimes. Sometimes. Yes. When we can, we do bonus episodes every week where we cover everything from movie making, beer making. We've sat down with some brewers. Mm-hmm. We've sat down with some celebrity guests. It's just – it's all mm-hmm. over the place. It's a good time. Uh, and you'll get the full access to all the back catalog of Patreon episodes if you join. So tons of content there to get you through the day. 
also, like I said, events. We do barbecues, beer hangs, bottle shares, movie nights, uh, online movie watch-alongs were a thing during the pandemic, and they were really fun, so we might just keep that going. That sort of thing. So it's it's a good time. It's a great little community, if, especially if you're in Chico. Yeah. I think it's something that's more worthwhile maybe than if you were out of town. But obviously, if you're out of town, please join, too. Please do. Yes. Yeah. But if you're in Chico, it's a way more hands-on experience. Yeah. Again, that's patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Go check it out. Johnny, that is all of our housekeeping. So let's get into beers. Um, you, you mentioned, you said frequently. I think that's probably about right. Altamont is no stranger to our podcast. I don't know the exact amount of times we've had their beers on the show, but I think you know the last time we did. Yeah, we've done them at least once, and these guys are also fairly heavy involved in my personal rotation. Mm. I'm really a big fan of their hoppy beers, so when I see two new beers from them that are relatively unsampled by us, uh, we got to pick them up. But the last time we drank Altamont was way back on episode 159. Uh, We did a beer called Something New. It was a barrel-aged oatmeal stout, which... To be fair, not their forte. Much more well-known for their hoppy beers, yes. lighter stuff. Uh, and we both thought that one was just okay. So, it was a 9% stout, and yeah, we both thought it was a little bit thin somehow. Yeah. And, uh, but was really booze-forward if you were into the flavors of, of – I can't remember what the bourbon they used but or the barrels, but uh, I think we both thought, yeah, it was an okay beer, but, you know – there were pros and cons for sure. Yeah. So that one left us wanting, and quite frankly, it wasn't a fair shake at what they do best. Uh, but I think this week we have two really solid representations of their their forte. Yeah, we're almost th- – like almost to the month, three years since we've talked about their stuff. And, and Altamont is Maui Wowie. That is sort of their flagship IPA. Is that mm-hmm. right? Maui Wowie, Captain Kush. They okay. do a bunch of great beers. And you're on record, at least talking to me, Maui Wowie is like Love top tier. And that's like a, like a six-ish percent. Yeah. West Coast IPA like with tropical, tropical West, yeah. Yep. Okay, great. Love it. And this is kind of a, a variation on, the, on that we're about to drink. It's right. called Wowie Nugs. Again, it's a Altamont Beer Works collab with Slice Brewing out of Lincoln. It is a double dry hopped West Coast IPA that is shockingly clear. It is 6.5% ABV. And from their uh, website, we read, Maui is a god and the legends run deep. A beer so delicious it can only become more powerful by inhaling the dank, green nugget together they slow the sun and bring the fire with a super powerful easy drinking west coast ipa with a secret fire or with a secret of fire mm-hmm. double dry hop profile of mosaic lupomax lupomax simcoe cryo and citra you're welcome oh that's do you do you think that's why it ends obviously. with that obviously i don't know but obviously in case anybody somehow doesn't know that reference johnny is referencing moana yeah um yeah maui to be fair technically despite what moana has taught us it was not so much a god like he wasn't historically worshipped by polynesian people he's more of like a folk hero sort mm. of thing um but i also like that they threw in um unless you just said that the fire thing yeah bring the fire i'm not sure how much this is um historically accurate so much as disney Mm-hmm. accurate yeah. but who cares that's such a good movie <laughs> right yeah um okay you, when you can reference moana just do it do it yeah dude i started playing a moana song not that it matters but i started playing how far i'll go oh i love on, that song on, on, on when i played live anyways it's great so i'm excited for this um double dry hop west coast ipa six and a half percent i'm looking for so much brightness and flavor and crispiness even and um i, I assume it's it's a strike right up your bowling alley you assume correctly. Thank you. Uh, yeah. Tell me more. Yeah, it's got such a powerful hop presence. A lot of times, double dry hopping adds, like, for me, double dry hop beers. I don't know technically what it does. I'll tell you. Yeah, we've talked about this. But sometimes they just, it ends up being too sweet. And sure. you lose a lot of mm-hmm. that, that hop punch. For me, this just, like, they just, they steeped 
hops. It feels like they almost just tea, made a tea out of it. And man, you get so much punch and it's smooth yet like crisply biting. There's 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 bitterness, but it's not just bitterness. Yeah. It's like, a, it's it, a complex bitterness. It works for the it works to bring out the tropical notes too. Some oh. of that sweetness from the dry hopping is is getting there, but it's yeah, it's not it's not covering up the hop profile. I want to know more, more about what Mosaic Lupamax is. Yeah. I don't know what that is. So maybe we can look that up. But I, I have had a first sip now, too. I think this is super good, man. Um, truthfully, I was expecting something a little higher ABV because I'm just now connecting in my dots that doesn't – in my dots? Connecting the dots in my brain that that doesn't say uh, double IPA. It says double dry hopped West Coast IPA. But I was reading double IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so reevaluating that in my brain. This is – yeah, it's super light. It's really tasty. It's really bright like I was hoping for. And yeah, I, I also really enjoy the balance of sweetness and tropical notes to the hop bite. So Lupamax is a uh, new form of concentrated hop pellet. Okay, sure. Yeah. So it's just a different, it's not a cold cone hop. Anything on um, differences in flavor because of that or or uh, utilization or anything like that? Um, so this is from yakimavalleyhops.com in case you're wondering. All reliable. Lupamax is a new concentrated pellet that is consistent, efficient, and optimized for hop flavor. Lupamax has less vegetative matter compared to regular hop pellets, okay. so you get hop flavors that are bigger, bolder, and brighter. Less vegetative matter means less beer loss, less solid waste, and more beer to enjoy. All right, that all checks out. Yeah, and they do a, a few different varieties. I mean, I'm seeing Amarillo, Azaka, Cascade, Cashmere, a bunch of them. All the ones that you'd, you'd think of. Yeah, sure. So, yeah, just a, just a new hop pellet. And then Cryo is hops that have been frozen. Maybe. No, it is. That sounds right. The, that was, like, pioneered by Lagunitas when they did the Born Yesterday. Really? They took fresh hops and Cryo froze them. How and sure are you of this? 100%. I sold okay. this beer. All right. Uh, and they actually would, like, flash freeze, like, cryo freeze fresh hops and then use them to make a fresh hop beer in the exact opposite season when hops are available. Smart. So it's like the anti-harvest beer. Yeah. Kind of. That's a lot more of, that's a way more metal way to say that. Yeah. The anti-harvest beer. Right? They should have called it that. For sure. They didn't uh, call me though. That's okay. Listen, this is really good. This is tremendous. I'm I'm enjoying it quite a bit. I'm going to get into a couple nitpicks here, but first I want to see if you have any more praise for this. Man, that is sweeter than a lot of West Coast IPAs that I would enjoy. But it's balanced out by that just kind of palate coating delightful bitterness. It's not over the top. It's not leaving funky aftertaste. It just blends so well with that sweetness. The balance on this thing is incredible. So I do have a funky aftertaste. A yeah. little bit. Well, yeah. It's it's the it's the fighting of the sweetness trying to come through a little too much. Mm-hmm. Or or you know what? It might no, it's the sweetness. It's the sweetness right at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe if I weren't set up with such a clear flavor image from the beginning uh, of a balance between sweetness and bitterness, I wouldn't be caught off guard by it, but it does kind of sneak up on me. That's fair. So I almost, I, and and maybe we'll chalk it up to that um, that mosaic variant. It, it might might just need more of that intrinsic bitterness mm-hmm. for my you know my palate. Yeah, that's fair. That's kind of my one thing that I'm latching onto right now. See, I like that because I, I that's such my wheelhouse. I'm always. Like that's such a redeeming quality in a beer for my palate that the this, sweetness coming through at the end. No, the the bitterness. The yeah. like you said, you want that bitterness. No, I, that's what I'm saying. I um, want more. Usually, I would, but I, f- I find the balance in this one so enjoyable, and just the tropical notes coming through in such a bright, refreshing way, and that balance of sweetness to bitterness. No, this is for me. This is a home run. This was canned on December 30th, which is 
by the on the time of this recording about 12 days ago. Mm-hmm. Very fresh. Very fresh. Tastes like it. Yeah. It's great. I think it's the best possible version of this beer. And for me, it's it's above average. It's not great. It's very good. Okay. I am almost ready to rate it. Um, yeah. If you have anything else you want to talk about, that would be great because I'm going to pour a tiny bit more. I mean, I think the most obvious thing is how freaking amazing that can is. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the can art. What, what's is... amazing about it to you? It's this color pattern, like color palette, I should say, not pattern, that is very muted and subtle. It's got this metallic, foresty, I think those are hibiscus flowers and some really nice Mm -hmm. tropical plants all in the background and some hops. There's hops in there too. You see them? There's hops hidden in the plants. No, I can't see any hops. What are you talking about? There's a hop right there. Give me that. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, do you mean this giant one in the middle of the game? No, look at it. Look up here. Look in the green. Oh, I see him. Yep, I know now. What, so this guy's freaking me out. Yeah, he's cool. He's like a hop monster with uh, some sort of uh, unknown well, rolled cigarette okay, in his mouth. Right, because I think he's yeah, he's like a you know I, I don't mean to to extrapolate incorrectly here. Seems maybe partially hop and maybe partially another plant. I'm not sure. Yeah, you know. Okay, so <laughs> I like the can as well. Yeah, it's a beautiful can. Like that's one that I would like peel that label off and save it. Do you want to? You can. We got to take a photo of it for yeah. our Instagram first uh, at fresh underscore off underscore. Forget it. Yep. Uh, so we can do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's better. Yeah. That's how shameless plugs should go. Yeah. No, the can's rad. I if like if they made a shirt of this, I would buy it. Hundred oh. percent. It's it's radical. I'm a big fan of both breweries and having them work together. I think honestly, Slice does the best hops on the West Coast. Mm. For me, it, it's Slice, it's Beechwood. Beechwood does some good pro- stuff. And then probably Altamont. Um, I really love their hoppy beers. So the, this is in the top three of breweries on the West Coast for me that make this style of beer. And for two of the my favorite three to collab, that's yeah, match made that's in heaven. True. You're stylistically hitting. This is such a new school IPA too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- with a lot of influence from old stuff. I mean, obviously not with like the heaviness of, yeah. of traditional West Coast IPAs from the you know '90s and, and early yeah. aughts, but still, I think it's it's paying decent homage to the flavor characteristics of those beers, but also then turning it up and brightening it for a, mm-hmm. for a 21st century sensibility. Yeah, that's the century we're in, right? I think it sounds so. weird. I to never. Say that. I, it's going to make me sound dumb. No, I've no, never, a lot of people don't. I've we never can, understood how that works. So zero to 100, mm-hmm. years zero to 100 is the first century, right? Okay. Which means 101 to 200 is is the second century. Okay. If we keep that going all the way, you just keep adding numbers, mm-hmm. and they're, they're off by one, essentially. So 1900 to 2000 is the 20th century, because there's one that we're you know not factoring in, because zero to 100. Mm-hmm. So then 2000 now Till till now is the twenty first. Yep, that's how it works. So this is the era that Fox takes over. I don't follow you. Twenty first right century Fox. Oh sure, yeah. This is going to be their their uh, century for sure. Yep. Okay. Tangent done. <laughs> I like this beer. I don't like it as much as you. I disagree with you completely on those three breweries being um, those because I don't being like the top hoppy uh, breweries because I don't love that type of beer as much as you do. So if I were to be put on the spot, which please don't, I would come up with different breweries. Uh, well, for stylistically, hoppy, but for hoppy beers, that's why I said for that style, they're the best. And if, are we saying for the style? Are we talking about um, new school West Coast IPAs? Is that kind of like is that sure. how umbrella? Yeah, yeah, boy, I would, I will. This would be a fun discussion. I'm really bad off the top of my head with this kind of stuff. 
So I can't come up with anything now. I mean, there's like the new glories of the world. The urban roots should be thrown in the mix. Sure. I feel like Southern California stuff should be in the mix also. There's probably a lot of stuff down there that I can't call to mind at this moment. You got like, your modern time. Like I feel really hesitant in, in not considering breweries in Bend also. Like Crux has done some really great West Coast stuff. Um, there's so many breweries. You yeah. Know? Um, so without me taking a look at a pretty thorough list, I'd be hesitant to um, throw my my breweries in the ring here. But um, – and and Altima being the one for me that is the the one that I that I find the least exciting most of the time. Uh, you mentioned the beer that we did back in 2020 it was fine. That's mm-hmm. kind of my reaction to most of them, including this one. It's fresh. It's really good. It's fine for me. It's 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 better than average. It's again not great. It is good. But I think when I said good earlier, I should have said it's fine. Max, that's how I feel. Max Marty out of ten. Me six. Yeah, it's six. It's like it's, it's good beer. It's fine. That's where I'm at. Just above average. You ate too many fruit snacks before we recorded. Don't call me out like that, Mr. Drinking Earl Grey Tea while drinking this beer. <laughs> All right? <laughs> we got a level playing field now. Johnny Summers, what about you on uh, on Wowie Nugs? I think it's tremendous. I think the biggest uh, negative for me is that it is sweeter than most beers of this style that I enjoy. So for me, that can't. It's not perfect. It's not a 10 by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but it is up there, as, and legendary scores go. I mean, this is like an 8.9. Pretty which darn is, close. It's is, insane. Is it the sweetness keeping it from being a 9? Yeah. And that's it? Because what would make this beer a 10 aside from the sweetness? Anything? Um, slightly less sweetness, and it mm-hmm. just needs to be a little bit more bitter and dry. Okay, a little more punch. Just, just the balance is near perfect, but it's still just the scales aren't weighed Quite even. You just want to kick your chin up and then have somebody flick you right in the, just right in the a, lymph node. Yeah, just a little bit that. more. I, I, I weirdly do get that. Do you have anything else in this beer for now? Uh, it's available here in Chico. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, where'd yeah. you get them? We picked this. I picked this up today at SNS. We. Yeah. We. You. We did. We totally did. Great. And if plenty. you want to try it, look out for that beer of the week sticker. Nice. Uh, plenty left for people to get their hands there on. There were shelf uh, was full. Great. Because okay. if we're if we're chronologically doing this, if you're hearing this on KZFR, that is one day after. When did you buy it? You bought these today? You said. Mm-hmm. Great. And then if you hear this on the podcast, uh, you know, if you're keeping up, you got about a week. So they'll probably still have them, but get down there because they are very fresh, and I assume they'll go quickly because Altamont, um, very well known name around mm-hmm. the area. Yep. All right. Once again, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. Think we got this beer wrong? Think we got it right? Or do you have a beer or brewery you think we should review? Message us on Instagram. I'm going to get it right this time. At fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. Or you can send an email to fhccast at gmail.com because we are always open to suggestions. And if you get a chance to try Wowie Nugs, uh, also it's on tap at Burgers and Brew right now. Oh, nice. Shout out. Uh, let us know what you think. And hey, if you'd like the show, go take 30 seconds and leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it's so easy to do. And it's one of the most efficient ways to help us get our show in front of New potential listeners. We've got to conquer that algorithm, yo. Uh, what's next, Max? It's the trailer for this week's movie, Tar. If you haven't seen it yet, don't worry. There are no spoilers in this next segment, so stick around. You want to dance the mask? You must service the composer. If you're here, then you already know who she is. Lydia Tar is many things. As a conductor, Tar began her career with the Cleveland Orchestra, Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the Boston Symphony Orchestra, until she had last arrived here at our own New York Philharmonic. In 2013, Berlin elected Tar as its principal conductor, and she's remained there ever since. Lydia Tarr has also written music for the stage and screen. She is one of only 15 EGOTs, meaning those who have won all four major entertainment awards. Thank you for joining us, Maestro. Thank you. (laughs) 
How's the writing going? Not so well. I keep hearing something. Schopenhauer measured a man's intelligence against his sensitivity to noise. Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed by emotion? Yes. Yes, it does happen. Just joining us, you're listening to Fresh Hop Cinema, a show about the worlds of craft beer and film. If you're listening on the radio waves of KZFR 90.1 FM, you're only going to be hearing the first half of our show on the radio today. But if you'd like to hear the whole thing, you can go subscribe to Fresh Hop Cinema on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be available to stream tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So at the end of this, if you just can't get enough of us, go listen. So Tar premiered at the Venice Film Festival back in September of 22, and it's a movie that's been on my radar for most of that year. It's a film starring Kate Blanchett, if you don't know, as Lydia Tarr, who, amongst other things, is the first female composer-conductor of the Berlin Philharmonic uh, and is on the precipice of a production and live capture of Mahler's Fifth Symphony. The film itself is something of a psychological drama that chronicles the headspace of Lydia Tarr and those around her, including her wife, Sharon, played by Nina Haas, her assistant, Francesca, played by Nomi Merlant, who uh, we have seen in Portrait of Lady on Fire back in the day, uh, and others. The film has been widely praised as one of the best films of the year, with a lot of that conversation revolving around the performance of Kate Blanchett. Johnny, what would you think of Tar? I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't have any hype or anything built up in my mind about this. I knew it was in some circles of people. It was up there, uh, but didn't really have much expectations other than Kate Blanchett is just everything next level. She's fantastic. Yeah. So I will watch any movie that she's in. Uh, yeah, I thought that this movie, it struck me as a little full of itself and sometimes it came off pretentious. Um, but some of that was that it wasn't hold handy in its exposition at all. Meaning you're basically just observing conversations and they're discussing people, places, things, events, composers that you don't know, know nothing about unless maybe some of the composery stuff is if you're you're obviously more versed in totally. classic music, you might be able to follow along. But a lot of it was um, very observational viewing. Uh, so you're kind of engaging in this movie from the outside looking in. And for me, there was real arcing themes, overarching themes of, of, of power and celebrity and, and how it affects a person and 
there was some fascinating kind of intellectual debates. There was one scene we'll get into in the danger zone where okay. she kind of duels uh, a younger person, a, a student, sure, yeah, at a piano, which I thought was some some compelling film. I thought she was a very intriguing character. Obviously, she's it was very well acted. I think the character of Lydia Tarr was a fascinating person to to look at. I don't know how based in like reality this is if this it's is not pure fiction it's totally fiction well then yeah it was it was a fascinating character as I, far yeah as far as the character yes yeah, yeah it's not based on like an actual composer's life no so i thought she was amazing in it for me the movie felt a bit stuffy at times and i don't know i liked it i didn't love it it didn't blow my socks off i thought it was incredibly beautiful to look at and i think it maybe has some of the best sound design that i've heard this year Where, so you saw it at home mm -hmm. what was like what was what's your speaker setup like at home because the sound is such an important part of this movie like i have a polk audio 3000 all right nerd i just mean <laughs> uh sound bar with a subwoofer okay. so i have like good sound okay I read somebody's review of this, um, t praising the sound design, saying because because this character is also sort of plagued by a hyperactive sense of sound, mm -hmm. like anything that happens kind of in her surroundings, she's she's acutely aware of it, almost drives her, I would argue, a little bit crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and and the person was talking about having seen this in the theater and how even even the sonic location, like physically in the theater, you'd hear something from over here, and they really utilized not true surround sound, but. Um, a really, really great sound mix. Yeah, and I and I knowing that now I need to go watch it. And I'm glad to hear you say that because I watched it from a, a sound bar at the front of the TV at, at like a comfortable level that most people. If you took somebody who wants to watch a movie in the background and somebody who really wants to hear every detail, it was somewhere in the middle. Okay, which I don't think is appropriate for this. Yeah, you need volume up or even headphones. Honestly, headphones might have been awesome. Like good headphones. Yeah. yeah. So there was a lot of that. If, like I said, very, very observational. Mm -hmm. A bit stuffy, a bit full of itself, well acted. Um, yeah, I was kind of middle middle of the road. I, I I don't think it was outstanding. I don't know if it's it's worthy of a best actress nomination or perform or win. I mean, and I for sure know that it's not my favorite movie of the year. Sure, Th there's the, there's a distinction that needs to be. Give me your out of ten first. Ah, uh, for me, Tarf out of ten feels like a like a six three. All right. Uh, there's a distinction that needs to be made when we talk about stuff. Cause, cause often I think people read this the same, but there'll be lists that come out at the end of the year, like best movies of the year or, or my top movies of the year. And those are two mm -hmm. different things. Cause there can be movies that I would argue are the best movies of the year that aren't my favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's not, you're saying this is definitely not your favorite movie of the year. Correct. Um, are you taking a stand on whether you think this is the best movie of the year? Or are you not even going there yet? Objectively, like as a movie critic, I don't think this is the best movie that came out this year. All right. Um, so I I also didn't know totally what to expect going in, aside from hearing that Kate Blanchett is amazing. I think she super is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, in general. Yeah. But also this character, I think there's something to the fact that you were questioning if this was about a real person because it feels like a real lived-in person. Mm -hmm. I think above all, this is a character study of a person on the brink of sanity. Um, and I'm with you. The themes of like of, of power and control and what that does to a person and even further like the ideas of um, – you know, what it means to embody music. Her whole thing is, uh, you know, like, like you, before we can even play the music, we have to understand the intent of the composer. Um, and the scene you were alluding to, which is a conversation with a student, sort of begins with a conversation about Bach and how this student basically says, I, I can't get into Bach because he was, uh, I think he uses the word, uh, several words, he's, he's like, his patriarchal lifestyle, he was misogynistic, cis white dude. So, some of this language that is, 
casually thrown around sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's pretty quick to disarm that. And there's a huge conversation in this film about, you know, like the the um, the art versus the artist, and if those things can be separated, and if they should be separated. And I like where the movie goes from a commentary perspective. Because it's no coincidence that she is the first female conductor of this orchestra in in a fairly male-dominated profession. And I don't think it's spoiling too much to say that the movie challenges some of the stereotypes that I expected once I saw that character uh, might approach this um, this machine of classical music world from, from a gendered perspective. Mm-hmm. And that took some interesting turns that I didn't expect. A lot of the psychological stuff works. The director here... Um, it's only his third feature-length film, and it's the first one in 16 years. It's worth noting that his last two got three Academy Award nominations. I think it was um, two – no, one. it might have been one for Best Picture and uh, two for Best Director. Hmm. That's not surprising to me. The cinematographer, who uh, his name is in your notes. I don't have him in front of me. Yeah, Florian Hoffmeister. Great name. Um, I believe has worked on uh, – does it say Antlers next to that? Mm-hmm. So that was a movie last year Great or movie. two years ago. Horror movie. And there's some great spooky camera work in this film. There's so many great long shots. The, the, the textures created in this movie, the mood, um, I think are fantastic. Tonally, it's it's perfect from start to finish. It's about two hours and 44 minutes, I think. I think Kate Blanchett is incredible. I think most of the people that are acting in this do a really good job. Um, it's, it's a pretty slow movie. But I think from a craft perspective, it's very, very good. Didn't love it personally, but I think it's incredible. For me, it's an 8 out of 10. That's where I'm at on top. All right. Um, I'm super excited to get into some of this, especially stuff you were saying about the themes and um, the the ideas of this movie being pretentious. I think I will make a case that the movie is aware of that and is almost doing it satirically. Mm -hmm. Um, And we can get into that in a little bit here. But for now, do you have any more thoughts on Tar without spoiling? No, I think we're there. Okay. Then let's save some more stuff for the danger zone. And for now, I shall say the following. Once again, you've been listening to Fresh Hop Cinema. Again, possibly on KZFR 90.1 FM. Tar is available for purchase or rent on Amazon or Vudu or any other online services, really. If you've seen it and you have thoughts of your own, you can reach us on Instagram at fresh underscore hop underscore cinema. Or you can send an email to fhccast at gmail.com. As a reminder, if you want to hear the rest of today's conversation, which includes spoilers for Tar, a review of a second beer and hot and bothered head over to your favorite podcast app and subscribe to fresh hop cinema. That's right. The rest of the episode will be available tomorrow morning at 7am on all major podcast platforms to our radio listeners. Thank you for tuning in. We'll catch you next and every Thursday at 5 30 PM on KZFR 90.1 FM people powered radio. And until then watch some films and drink something that makes your senses sizzle. And to those of you currently listening in podcast form, we'll be right back with The Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Danger Zone. Welcome to The Danger Zone, everybody. It's a great place to be, and you ought to be, you ought to be thankful you're here, aren't we all? Yeah, I So, am. save me some of that. Just going to say, you want some more of that? <laughs> yeah, I want some more of it. Um, though this would have been a great uh, example of a time where you're like, no, I really want this, and I like the beer more than you. You can't have more. I'm like, all right, fair enough. Yeah, but I'm... A share, man. That's true. Um, let's talk spoilers for Tar. Um, I guess we kick off by starting with let's let's I guess unpack that scene with the student. Yeah, you mentioned you used the word duel. You said there's like yeah. a duel. Scene. I didn't consider that a duel. I well, considered that a slaughter. It was a battle of wits. One of them was just unarmed. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. Um, essentially, this person says they cannot identify with Bach because he was a certain way. Like back in the day. 
Bach was, you know, he was misogynistic. He was probably homophobic. He uh, was part of the problem of the patriarchy, all these things. And Tar basically says, you know, is that the way to judge the music? Because right. that's what it's all about is, is in her view, it's, it's the intent of the composer and the music. And she takes it up to a level, not quite J.K. Simmons and Whiplash, mm-hmm. but goes starts going there to the point that the, the kid's like, you're a bitch, I'm out of here. And then she she almost doesn't miss a beat. She's like, well, you know, we're back to music now. First, not the first time, but she's like, okay, she's not living in the same reality as maybe everybody else, mm-hmm. which I think also gets into what you were saying about the idea of celebrity and all that. But um, do you need to add anything about that scene? I feel like that's kind of the crux. I just wanted to make yeah. sure we Yeah, no, I thought it was, it. it definitely was a glimpse into her personality fairly yeah. early in the movie. I also don't know that the movie takes a strong stance on the answer to the question of art compared to artist. No. Necessarily, which I think is correct. I think it's such a nuanced thing that you can't necessarily blanket statement it with just one hard and fast rule. Yeah. Um, But I really like that the movie went to those places and started bringing up those questions, even though it might not have answered them. Yeah. Okay. It bothered me. There's a thing that bothered me. Okay. I need to know if it bothered you. Sure. Go. this whole composer thing, not composer, conductor, conductor, mm-hmm. like it really started to bother me when it was just like all these musicians don't know how to do shit right, and like she doesn't even play in the symphony. Like she's a classically trained pianist, pianist and I got that, but like it's like I need to get more from the strings. It just rubbed me as just like just yeah. What, okay, what? How did it rub you? Like that bothers you that that person was like that, or you think that's like a movie making trope that is not realistic to the function? No, I have orchestra? no idea. Okay, so how did it bother you? It's just like, man, like if that's how conductors are, that's yeah, it's like, annoying. Like, how does a musician respect that? I think it's the idea, and I can only speak from my limited yeah. musical like, experiences. I know, I know more than you because I've studied well, the artist more. It's so, just, I, yeah. there, I mean, I think there's some validity there. I think there's an overarching reverence for some of this, especially something like like Mahler and there's Fifth Symphony. I don't know a ton about it, but. I did just tell you that I watched Shutter Island again, and there's a lot of talk about Mahler in that movie, by the way. Hmm. Um, that was more about his German heritage than anything else. But but some of these works of music have, have existed and been studied and performed for so long that I can see as a musician understanding the perspective of a conductor who is wanting a very specific, even with minute changes, performance. So I get that. And I think if you trust your composer – now, Lydia Tarr, not somebody – who I would want to listen to necessarily knowing what I know about her having watched the movie. But the movie starts with this movie starts with an interview basically at, at the New Yorker, um, mm-hmm. whatever it's called yeah. where we get sort of a, a, a crash course in how awesome she is. Essentially she's achieved a ton of stuff in addition to all of her, uh, you know, conducting and composing. She's, she's an EGOT winner, which is like the four, uh, like Emmy, Grammy, uh, Oscar and Tony winner. There's only a few of those like in the world. Mm-hmm. She's a big deal. And if that's kind of what everybody knows about her as, as like, a, you know, an oboist in the back, if she's like, no, I need more of like, yes, yeah, all right. This like, I'm part of a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. So I get it. Yeah. But I also get that it's annoying, especially yeah. knowing this character. It's like, you're not great. Yeah. How do you feel about this character? Cause maybe I'm wrong there. No, I thought it was, um, kind of, a, a, a character that was representing equity in being a piece of shit. If you get too powerful, 
So like, yeah, it's, you know, power corrupting and using your power for not necessarily the best intentions kind of behind the scenes. Okay. uh, In her personal life. And, you know, there's a lot of allegations that come at her and and a court case about grooming a young girl. There's some things that come out and, and then her actions in front of us, as far as like, just obviously playing favorites with a new cellist and doing things in front of her wife, by the way, who's, who is also, she's her wife is first violinist and, and concert master. Which is basically the liaison between conductor and orchestra, mm-hmm. um, and he, there's these really intentional shots of Kate Blanchett's character making eyes at um, at this new child's name, mm-hmm. Olga, um, who is played by uh, Sophie Cower. First film performance uh, appearance, mm-hmm. um, and then we get this sort of perpendicular shot of her wife's eyes, just mm-hmm. like not quite indicting, but like suspicious. Just and like then a... as we get those shots, like a little bit more furrowing yeah. of the brow. Um, yeah, so yeah. I thought there was an, an equity displayed because there's you I mean you've seen that a million times on screen with with men in power, right? You, you know, abusing their power. So it was it was fascinating to see someone like Kate Blanchett acting out a character that is abusing their power and just kind of not being a good person. And it's tough because I want to root for her all the time. I mm-hmm. love her as an actress, but like you know, you don't want to root for this character. No. You're hitting on what I was kind of getting at earlier, which is that when the movie starts, even I think that she, she's being asked this on that panel, well, not a panel, but the interview, mm-hmm. the interviewer is basically like, Hey, it's got, you know, it's gotta be tough being, being a woman in this field with all these men and like this history of this being a fairly misogynistic profession. And she's pretty quick to be like, listen, like she doesn't say this exactly. She's like, like men have it hard too. And there's also terrible women here. Like she's almost on the wrong side. It feels like. <laughs> um, and so I was like, all right, well maybe she'll come around and increasingly no, it's like what you're saying. It's like, she's doing the things that have so often come to the forefront in, in certainly modern history, the past two or three years with the me too movement, that sort mm-hmm. of stuff. She's doing that stuff. Yeah. Um, I also think your, your observation about her, her equity and shittiness as it pertains to her power is is almost it's almost like she's getting worse with the more power she loses because mm. she's not really coming up in this movie like she's she's getting worse. It's like a mild ascent and then a rapid descent. But the farther and faster she's going down, the more she's trying to cling to what's above. Yeah, and it's just backfiring. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so nuts. She has this foundation. I wasn't clear on Mark Strong's character at first, but he's basically the head of this foundation that reaches out to to promising youths uh, and gives them a way to kind of climb the 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 classical orchestra corporate political ladder essentially mm-hmm. um and that's where these allegations are coming from like there's this there's this whole through line of this girl Krista who's committed suicide because basically the implication is that tar probably had an affair with her then tanked her career and just blacklisted her mm-hmm. she kills herself and then she keeps doing the same stuff while this is happening she's interested in this new cellist and her wife is there and like her life is falling apart but she's so wrapped up in her ego in this idea that she's this incredible thing, even as so clearly it's falling apart around her. She either doesn't want to or cannot see it. And that is such just a fucking crazy place to be psychologically. Yeah, just watching someone's downward spiral. It's nuts. And and all of the stuff that starts happening around her, like there's a scene where she hears screams in a forest. There's like tapping in the walls. There's screams when she's asleep. 
a lot of this could be chalked up to guilt and 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 post traumatic stress or whatever it might be mm-hmm. in dealing with any of this stuff. But her her conscious self is like, nope, I'm awesome. I'm fucking the leader of yeah. the Berlin Philharmonic, and there's just no self awareness in that respect. No, the ego, which is great, which I think ties back into what you were saying about this movie being uh, full of itself or pretentious. Mm-hmm. It is stuffy. I'll give you that. But I think the pretension and 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 mostly that, um, but the being full of itself is. I think more commentary on this type of like the culture. Totally. Yeah. Rather than, than trying to bore us to death with like, Oh, right. aren't you like, cause I don't know most of these classical music references. Yeah. yeah. Though I hear this movie is very well researched. Most of it checks out. Hmm. Um, baller, baller, Mahler, Beethoven. Mahler's a baller. I'm on those. Wow. I'm, I'm with you there. Um, but a lot of the stuff they reference, I don't know, but I think for the most part, this movie is not on the side of, of these people, so right. to speak. Yeah. Which yeah. I love. I love that. It was definitely an, a movie about an ego driven. Yeah. Like maniac. Psycho. Spiral. Sociopath maybe. Is, yeah. I'm not a doctor, but right. You know, yeah, I love it. I think, and I think Kate Blanchett rocked it. I totally, you didn't believe. say you loved it in your review. Though. No, no, I loved, I, I loved, you're right. I loved how they put this movie together. I didn't love the movie itself, but the way they portrayed that character and this society loved it. Well, what about it? Didn't you like that? I'm confused. Well, I'm a little like, confused to be honest. I know uh, it's like you're the sum of the parts of what you're saying would lead me to believe that you actually did love this movie. I think this is a movie that people will. Are you finding that you like it anymore with more conversation? No. Okay. Well, I am. I think it's a movie that that invites conversation and, and yeah. dissection a little bit. And, and for me, that's that's a great quality in a movie. I love to be able to dissect stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Um, like usually, like I get something that maybe mm-hmm. I didn't fully understand mm-hmm. from our conversations, but I, this one. Felt pretty confident that like, yeah, I get, get it. The idea. I get it. Yeah. I get what you're going for here. I just, I like, I don't like the message, but I understand the message I'm with you. And I just think that the way they executed it was, was top notch. And I'd like to just say again for the record, I gave it an eight out of 10. That's yeah. a pretty good score. Yeah. But you gave it that because you thought it was a good movie, even though you didn't like it. I thought, no, I did like it. I didn't love it. Yeah. I thought it was a greatly put together movie from a craft perspective. I think Kate Blanchett was incredible. I think the sound design's awesome. I don't want to watch it again. Mm. Uh, you know, it kind of left. So me it's one of those like icky. it's great. It's an eight, but like yeah, it's not a fun watch. It's definitely it's definitely not a fun watch. The enjoyment um, factor not all the way there for you. And that doesn't always affect my score. Yeah. Um, but this is such a bleak, cold, almost industrial feeling movie at times. Yeah. Um, that I don't want to go necessarily bathe in that ambiance again anytime soon. Yeah. But I can still appreciate it. Totally. Yeah. Makes sense. That's where I'm at. I'm I'm there. I do have one before we go. Mm-hmm. I have a fun fact about this movie please. that I'd like to share with I'd you. I'd love yes, go uh, please. The accordion song that uh-huh. she performed mm-hmm. was oh, yeah. actually yeah, yeah, right. in the credits of the movie. And mm-hmm. she was given Just, performing credits for a song on the soundtrack. That's great. You know, she actually did a lot of piano work for this too. So there you might have noticed there's a ton of really long shots here. Well, she's immortal. True. She's got a lot of time. She's got a lot of time to learn the uh, piano. But she did. She had a couple piano consultants, so they were able to do these really elaborate long shots where the camera would like circle around the piano, and you'd see her playing. And and I've you know, I've got a, I'd say above average understanding of what a piano might sound like depending on what key you press. That's an understatement. So yeah. like you know you, when you see something you're like that's they're doing it wrong. You're like when they play a guitar and it's like they're they're right by the the by the headstock and it's like you're like that's not even close. Yeah. But the piano's like that's pretty damn close. My almost last thing thematically her whole thing's like what's the composer's intent whatever she struggles to write a song and there's a conversation about like derivation and taking stuff from other artists and mm-hmm. then she's basically like taking like a, a doorbell chime mm-hmm. and like i don't think she's aware that she's doing it, but she's like writing an entire melody in those intervals pretty much mm-hmm. which is like the least i don't know i don't say it's least creative but from her from that character's perspective i think if that character knew that's what she was doing she would chastise 
the person she saw doing it. Right. So I thought it was funny that she was allowing herself to do it. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of parody and like um not, satire. Yeah, in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Um, well, thank you for the fun fact. That was lovely. Yeah. Are you ready for another beer? Fuck yeah. All right, we got beer number two on the table. It's Crew Brew Pineapple Kush. I'm also kind of sick of West Coast IPAs and marijuana being related. I don't care about weed so much, and I just don't like it. That said, <laughs> I like. I feel like it was it was a little bit like we could we could dance around it for the radio in the first one, but like, come on, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, I get that everyone like somebody is like, but hops are related to weed. It's like every, I know, man, but you know, shut up. That's how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me more about this beer, please. Well, sorry, Dad. I'll, I pick, don't care. I'll pick some more PG beers next week. <laughs> don't want to hurt your feelers. Your devil's lettuce out Honestly. of my cup. Yeah. Um, well, I like this beer. I, I'm sure the beer is good. I'm just like crew brew pineapple. Shut up. Pineapple Kush. Who cares? I care. A lot man. of people care. I come I'm, from a very weed positive family. That's probably true. I like it. All right. Tell me about the can then. So the can. For sure, is supposed to be a sock, like a gym sock, a black gym sock with a green and yellow stripe. God, that's tasty. Oh, it's so good, right? Uh, and this was dreamt up by their tap room crew. That's what mean what it means when they say crew brew series. All right. So every once in a while, you know, the crew, the crew has some good ideas. Sure. Let's crank out a pineapple cushion. credit where credit is crew. Exactly. Uh, so this is yeah. Uh, again. Crew Brew Pineapple Kush, Pale Ale, 5.6%. We didn't say Pale Ale. It's a Pale Ale? It is a Pale Ale. All right. Uh, I forgot. I got distracted. Uh, Again, out of Altamont, Livermore, Pale Ale loaded with 100% mosaic hops utilizing Munich, Pilsner, and Two Row Malts, and Pineapple. Yeah. That's right. We got mosaic hops, and it was dry hopped also, so you know, with mosaic. Okay. And Pineapple Puree. Yeah, that's no surprise if you smell what's in your glass, mm-hmm. everybody. Uh, very pineapple forward. Not a ton of pineapple, definitely pale ales. I was going to say IPAs. Um, I can only call to mind a few. Um, and Johnny's either he's either about to pass out from excitement or he's just freaking loving it. That shit's fire. Yeah, he made a little little stank face. What do you call it? Is that right? Stank yeah. face? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's just weird saying that. Dude, that's so good. It's it's pretty good. Ho, ho, ho. You have to like pineapple. Pineapple is a bit of a divisive um, fruit, which we'll get into, I'm sure, here uh, in a little bit. Uh, you know, some people so it'll kill you if you, you put it in the wrong hands. But it's I like pineapple. Me too. But if you don't, this beer sucks. If you don't, don't buy a can good that point. says pineapple on the front. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not like they snuck it in there under the radar. Yeah. Um, can you think of many pineapple adjunct beers? Sculpin Pineapple. It's really oh, one of the I ones. I hate that. that beer. Yeah, it's bad. You know, I really do like... Local shout out, Secret Trails Pineapple Bout It Bout It. It's 8.4%. It's a West Coast IPA. Is it a West Coast IPA? It might not be. I feel like pineapple is much more common in in, in hazy IPAs. Yeah, that could make sense. But uh, yeah. especially pineapple puree beers, that's a, that's a move. Yeah. And I've had, how clear this is. I've had some good like pineapple smoothie sours. Totally. They go really well with that. Oh, uh, dr- dr- uh, dr- Drecker. Yeah. Man, what a, what a wild ride that thing was. Yeah, we should get some more of their beer. North Dakota, man. They're around. Okay. It's been long enough. That beer blew my mind. Yeah. That was like a year. That was like that was like 14 months ago we did that beer. I it, remember what I was doing. You know what that I tells was re- me. Recording a podcast. It's time to get some more. Let's get some but more. I'm down. Man. Um <laughs> Altamont's listening. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> fuck you guys. Piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> no, but other pineapple yeah. beers, uh, very short list of pineapple IPAs and an even shorter list of pineapple pale ales. Yeah, I can't think of any pineapple no. pale ales. 
man, I'm digging this. It's it's bright. It's refresh. It's refreshing. This is like this is warm summer day beer. Is what this is. Know if I agree. I think it's a springtime beer, personally. I think it's too sweet to be summertime. It's going to get cloying. It's going to heat up too much in that 145 degree Chico heat. Yeah, you want this like on ice, like right out of an ice chest. You can't on. Okay, that's different than on ice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Not on ice. Yeah. Okay. I want the can on ice. Sure. And I want my body on ice. We're drinking 16 ounce cans today, yeah. by the way. How much are these at SNS Produce? They were both super cheap. This one was the same price as the other one, so like four dollars. They were both under five. Okay. Yeah. Great. Uh, very reasonably priced. Yeah. Um, still, yeah, I think this is more of a springtime beer. I think the sweetness from the pine, I've only had one sip, by the way, I got to go back in, but I think the sweetness from the pineapple would get too much in summertime, certainly in Northern California, but it's really, really good. I'm going to, I'm going to dive in again here. I'm also looking at a list of beers that have pineapple, not specifically IPAs. And in a second, I'm going to ask you to guess maybe what you think the most prominent styles of beer that use pineapple are. Okay. First, I'm going to try this again. Do it. I'm going to go ahead and guess that it's like Kettle Sours. That's up there. Yeah. Kettle Sours. Um, we'll also throw in Berliner Weisses there. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, it's Kettle Soured. It just has more ingredients. This is uh, the other one that I'm seeing a lot. Kettle Soured with salt and coriander. Is, uh, is Kolsch. Or, huh. or, or Kolsch style ales, I suppose. I doubt huh. that the people there are doing this. That makes sense. I've, I've seen... I've seen some. I can't remember any off the top, but yeah. Yeah, and most of the time that I'm seeing IPAs, like here's one, like Tired Hands and Omnipolo did a collab, which was a milkshake IPA with pineapple. Um, here's a Tarte Saison. Uh, mm. Yeah, a bunch of sours. Upside Down Sours. It's going to be like Smoothie Sours, Mai Tai Sours. Like pineapple. Far and away, yeah. yeah. I know Burning Barrel did a pineapple upside down. Burning Barrel being in Folsom, is that right? No, it's in- um, For, uh, Rancho Cordova. Yeah. It is? No. I'm gonna look. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I'm right. Keep saying something. Yeah, I don't think you are. Okay. Well, you gotta kind of counter with something. Yeah. Well, I think you're wrong, Max. Rancho Cordova, Burning Barrel Brewing. Nice. Boom. Good work. Yeah, we got man. That Oreo beer that we had. Yeah. That was tasty. That was so good. That'd be a fun field trip. There's some. It's right there. It's um. Spaghetti Factory. Is that what you're gonna say? No. Then that's no. There's there's an area in that. There's like one street, and they're calling it like the the Barrel District. It's, okay, it's Burning Barrel. It's Movement. There's like four or five breweries just within like a mile. Okay, is it like a self aware kind of way? Or are they doing it in like a pretentious way? Because it sounds pretentious, but maybe it's a tar situation where they're doing it ironically. It's kind of like they're calling um, what's that street? Bourbon Street. Myers. Oh, they're calling it the Beverage District. They are. Yeah, that's so. I guess it's fine. I mean, there's beverages there. I guess. Yeah. There's actually quite a few. That actually makes yeah. a lot of sense. And now there's the distillery there. And, and then you got the commons. And then you got Secret, Secret Trail. Trail. And maybe something else. Soon. Uh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> we'll see. Who knows? Who, I doubt it, but I really hope. Fat chance. And I don't, and I don't doubt it. I <laughs> right? just hope. All right. So back to this beer from Altamont, my friend. They're gone at this point. But yeah. The Altamont, the if you're gone. still listening, this beer's <laughs> so really So now good. let's talk about how we really feel. Um, I do like it, man. Um, I took a second drink, completely forgot the experience because we started talking about other stuff. So I'm going to go in for a third drink. <laughs> All right. Really get to know how I'm feeling. I'm going to talk some more right. and hopefully just talk soon as you finish that sip so you can remember what you're tasting. It's good. It's bright, very, very pineapple On my first drink, or rather before my first drink, I noticed it mostly on the nose, less mm-hmm. so on, on, on the mouth. On my third drink, very present on the mouth and the nose. It's a bit sparkly for me. It's a bit champagne-y. Not... I'm being pretty uh, exaggerating here, but there is a lot of carbonation. Mm-hmm. I don't like how that combines with the sweetness from the pineapple, but it's okay. But it feels more like a mimosa than a beer. 
And I don't want that right I like, now. I like it. Yeah, it makes sense. I like it. It's a good fruit forward pale ale. It's not big enough. It needs to be bigger for me. It's pale ale. Pale ales aren't big. Well, I also think there's a reason we don't see a lot of pineapple pale ales. There's a reason we don't do a lot of pale ales on this show. We do some pale ales on this show. Not a lot. But some. We've done like five in the last year. Well, it's January 11th. In the last. Last year? 13 months. I'm sure. Well, we we should know this and we don't. But $20. We've done less than five pale ales. Less than five. So yep. four or no, less. Five or less. Five or less. Yes. Mm, adjunct pale ale is fine. Any sort of just any, any pale sort of pale ale. I'll take that. Back. 20 bucks. How yeah. about how about we make it about the listeners, not about us? Nope. All right. Well, I tried. There no none of the listeners are here. Can you write down that bet? Because we're gonna forget. But I'll bet oh, you, I, I bet we've done I at least forget. six. We've done at least six pale ales in the year of 2022 of our Lord. You're betting against the man that picks out all the beer. <laughs> I'm betting against the odds, man. That's, That's how fair. you win. That's how you beat the house. You That's bet, fair. You just bet everything all on right. a low bet, a low probability bet. I think that's how you win. I've seen Casino. Yeah, we should definitely go gamble. Would you like to play poker sometime? <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. I have these clear glasses. It would be awesome. Great. Let's great. do it. This beer's fine. Again, dude, it's fine. Really? It's, it's good, but it's not great. All right. I don't know. I'm over it. Like, Why? It's it's imbalanced. It, the pineapple plays way too much of a role. It's too front and center. It doesn't. If I get a pale ale, I want it to be balanced, and I want it to not be a. F, uh, I want it to not be a one man freak show featuring this one adjunct only. It doesn't feel balanced to me. They made a point to point out these three different malts they used. I don't understand why, because they're not there in the flavor. They're not there in the body. I think they're just there to prove it to us. They put malt in this, and I'm not even sure that they did. Okay. <laughs> That's why. It's okay. It's good. The pineapple's fun. I don't want any more. I've had, you know, five ounces maybe. That's All plenty. Right. That's enough. I'll take about it, about it instead. Fair enough. Why do you like it so much? It's just so refreshing. It's got, I like the balance of that. The pale ales for me are always kind of simplistic. Yeah. They are not exciting or sexy. Disagree on those two. But for they, me, this, this, this brings some sex appeal to a more run-of-the-mill traditional style. That's true. I, I like the sexiness of this. It feels like a, a fresh, new take on something that has been, quite frankly, left in the dust by most of, of craft beer. Like, there's not a lot of lines that are happening outside of craft breweries for their new pale ale release. No, that's true. So I think it's it's a bold maneuver to insert some pineapple into the equation of the the pale ale mm-hmm. and, and give it kind of a new coat of paint and say hey look check this out it's it really drinks very it's like right in between lager and and pale ale for me like if there were 20% less hops you would i would say this is like a this could be very passable for a light beer with pineapple it's very unaggressive very which which forward. parts unaggressive? The like the, the hoppy, it doesn't strike me as a terribly bitter beer. No, no, it's not. That's true. I I like the analogy of pineapple being used to spruce something up, like throwing spinners on a. I don't know what a pale ale is. Like a, a pale ale is reliable. Like it's throwing like a, spinners a on a. No, I was gonna say like a like a Ford Ranger. Okay, you know. Um, You've obviously never owned a Ford Ranger. I own a Ford they're Ranger. Not, they're not reliable. They're so reliable. Really? My family's owned one since I was like eight. My sister, yeah. They're everyone else in the world. I've known that had one. They just break. Those are all idiots who Apparently. like do crazy stuff to their trucks. That's fair. But we can use a different one. How about how about what would you say? Cam? You didn't say Camry. A Buick? What'd you say? Sort of Buick. Fine. Are Buicks reliable? Uh, they used to be. Uh, fine. Let's say old school Buick. You throw some spinners on that. That's adding pineapple to a pale ale. And I would be in favor of that if if that's what was happening. But I think instead, 
you are keeping, you're, you're throwing spinners on. This is not a pale ale. It doesn't taste like a pale ale to me. Like, I agree with you. It tastes more like a light beer of some kind. I don't know that it's got few enough things going on to, for me to want to call it a lager, but it tastes, it just tastes, it tastes wrong to me. <laughs> it doesn't taste bad. It tastes wrong. It tastes incorrect. Now I'm all for artistic liberty. Okay. What is the, what is the composer? What is the brewer's intent? I think is the question. And I don't know what their intent is. I think, and that's where you have to start with review. You have to know what they intended. And I don't know. And I think that's more offensive than saying a bad thing. They're saying nothing. Or at the very least, saying an ambiguous thing. I think they thought the intention was, hey, this sounds good. Let's try it and see if it's good. And it's fine. And I like it. Like, if I'm on this crew, I'm endorsing this beer. I'm saying, yep, let's yeah, produce well, it. Yeah, if you let's don't, you get fired. No, not at all. You don't mean if I can tell you if something sucks. <laughs> Every day. I don't care. Yeah, Man, I would have endorsed this beer. This is great. I, right. re I really like it. Well, if your boss asked you to give them an out of 10 in your endorsement, what would you give it? This is like a solid seven three. Okay, that's not that high. No, it's not <laughs> changing the world, but like pale ales aren't fucking exciting. I'm trying to undercut your rating for somebody's like, oh, you don't even like it. <laughs> you don't even like it that much. No, I'm stamping it as approved. Okay, this well, is, yeah, that's a way above average rating. For it's me. an above average for me. No, it's not. It's an it's it's an above average, not way above average. It is an average beer for me is like a five five. An average or a six. out of ten is five. Yeah, seven point three is not way above five. You know. My rating is a five. It's average. I think it's got a lot of stuff wrong with it. My rating is 25% higher. Not quite, but almost, yeah. yeah basically. 20, 23%. Yeah. Um, it's fine. It's like, it's so underwhelming and fine. After I got over the funness of the pineapple, like, it's whatever. It's fine to me. I like it. I, I, I like I, it enough. For the price point, too. Like, man, I would, this is one I'd have in the house and and enjoy frequently. Yep. Yeah, I would buy this again. All right. Well, if you are interested in buying it again, it's at SNS Produce. Like Johnny said, less than five bucks. Uh, and and if you agree with me, reach out. If you agree with Johnny, shut up and uh, keep to yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> no, you should email the show and sure. uh, comment on our most recent Instagram post, fresh underscore hop underscore cinema, and sure. be sure to tag Max Bernardi <laughs> when you do. All right. Upcoming is a trailer for a new-ish movie on Netflix, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. We have thoughts right after this. We've arrived! Disruptors have assembled! Welcome, gang. We got a great weekend. Who's that? Benoit Blanc, the detective? Mr. Prompt, I cannot overstate my gratitude to be here. When's the murder mystery start? I've invited you all to my island. Hi! Because tonight, a murder will be committed. My murder. Once you're dead, will we still be able to talk to you? Yeah, I'm not playing dead the whole weekend, dude. This is truly delightful. Across the island, I've hidden clues. You will have to closely observe each other. If anyone can name the killer, that person wins our game. Any questions? Alibari. Uh, that has a kick. Oh my God, what happened? Oh, holy shit! Ladies and gentlemen, there's been a murder, and the killer is in plain sight. For at least one person, this is not a game. I must insist that nobody touch the body. Jeez, detective, who killed the party? I need to find a motive for murder. 
everyone would stab a friend in the back to hold on to this rich bastard. Mm -mm -mm, You're all friends. Why would anyone commit murder? Are we even going to talk about the elephant in the room? Am I the elephant? Yeah, you're the elephant. You're not that bad. I'm going to danger you. Are you calling me dangerous? Well, we'll see. Let it all out. Hell yeah! This is reckless. The killer wouldn't hesitate to kill again if it covers their tracks. must be really great at Clue, huh? I'm very bad at dumb things. Ticking boxes, running around, searching all the rooms. It's just a terrible, terrible game. World-famous detective Benoit Blanc heads to Greece to peel back the layers of a mystery surrounding a tech billionaire and his eclectic crew of friends. That's, of course, a synopsis for Glass Onion, colon, a Knives Out mystery. If you don't know, that is a, um, not plot-wise, but uh, universe-speaking sequel to Ryan Johnson's previous film, Knives Out, which came out a couple years ago. This basically sees only Daniel Craig returning as a character we met previously as Benoit Blanc, that detective. This film also has Edward Norton as uh, Miles Braun, the sort of um, Elon Musk, um, what's the Facebook guy's name? Mark Zuckerberg, kind of billionaire, wildly rich, and he invites all of his friends to his private island to spend the weekend celebrating his birthday uh, and solving the mystery of his murder in uh, murder mystery game style, not real style. And the movie unfolds from there. It's on Netflix. Johnny and I have both seen it. I've seen it twice. And I was waiting, Johnny, because I knew you'd see this at some point. Mm-hmm. And I was excited to talk about it. So we have revived a long-missing segment from the show, Flick Picks, and here we are. What did you think of Glass Onion? I really liked it. Okay. I was massively entertained. It was fun beautiful to watch like great mm-hmm. cinematography great color scheme like and on my tv i don't know if you have this because you're poor but like 4k <laughs> sure 4k uhd like with the the hdr with the color changing it's it's tremendous do you have like motion smoothing on your dumb tv i do not okay because i mean i have it but i don't have it turned on i don't know why they even have that as a preference it makes like, everyone look setting. too like they're weird. underwater it's weird it looked like, like avatar it. the way of water yeah they had that on. It feels like I don't want Daniel Craig to just look wet the whole time. No, I well, mean I do. You do. Yeah, it's it's. He's in a pool in yeah. this movie. Very different vibes than the James Bond scene. Shalita was like, "I'm gonna get you a swimming. It's the best suit." Okay. Yes. This movie better or worse than Knives Out, or just different? Different. So different. Mm. I wouldn't call it better or worse because the you know Knives Out was such a straightforward murder mystery. Yes. Uh, straightforward in the Vegas sense of Well, in, in the Agatha Christie sense of a murder. It was, exactly. it was tonally very um, cut and dry, yeah. uh, mystery-based. Yeah. See, for me, this one, it, it kind of tonally was more flourishing. How do you mean? It had vibes of you're in a more tropical location, so there was like the vacation-y aspect. Okay. There was, it wasn't just being trapped in a house. Mm-hmm. And if I remember right, Knives Out, the, the weather was kind of gloomy, and it, it wasn't, it felt very like uh, almost, it was a huge house, but it still felt very confined. Claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I like this one because it had more of a world to play with. There was, I think, more characters that were a bit more eccentric. I feel like the mm-hmm. the cast got kind of turned up to 11 with the oddball kooky vibes. Yes. If you've seen the the television program on HBO Max, White Lotus, big White Lotus vibes, particularly season two set in Italy. 
so I saw some parallels there right down to Jessica Henwick's portrayal of Peg, who was Birdie, Kate Hudson's character's assistant. Right. Uh, very reminiscent of um, Jennifer Coolidge's assistant in okay. White Lotus. Okay. Uh, but overall, man, I had such a fun time with this movie. I think fun is the perfect word to describe it for me. Sure. I mean, it is, it's more fun. It's, it's more comedic than the first movie. Mm-hmm. And Ryan Johnson has had an issue. I can't remember who told me this, but he didn't want this to be called glass onion colon and knives out mystery. That was you. He just wanted glass onion. And I think after seeing it now twice, I understand why they are so vastly different. Yeah. And I think that does come down to the, the, the mood and and the the tonal textures the movies are trying to give you. If it were me, mm-hmm. I would love to have seen this called Glass Onion, a Benoit-like yes. yeah. mystery. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, brand him. Totally. Like, him as this character, yeah. I will watch. Like, period. No questions asked. So, so you're right on the characters here. You Like we said, we have Daniel Craig, Edward Norton. Um, Dave Bautista shows up as like a Twitch gamer on the rise. Who, yeah. who Men's rights Twitch man, activist. That's what it is, yeah. Uh, who is dating um, this girl uh, played by Madeline Klein. Um, Whiskey. Whiskey, who, who is surprisingly, I think one of the more refreshing characters when you learn more about her. Mm-hmm. But on the surface, a very vapid, sort of dumb model, basically. Um, you also have Janelle Monet, who plays uh, Edward Norton's... Um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Scorned business partner, yeah. sort of, that was cut out of the loop and gets invited to this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Kate Hudson, like you mentioned, is like a, what does she even do? She used to be a model. She's like a social media idiot. Well, she became, um, like right as the pandemic began, she became like a fashion influencer because she came out right, with right, like right, right, a right. dope line of, of sweatpants. Sweatpants, right. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. is in this as a, as a scientist kind of guy, a tech, a tech, Techie science guy. And Catherine Hahn. I love Catherine Hahn. And Catherine Hahn, yeah, tell people what, what she does. She's the governor of Virginia? She's a, yeah, a politician kind of on the rise. Mm-hmm. So anyways, you, you're right on point. They've they've turned the eccentricity and the goofiness of some of these characters up to 11. That makes the characters, I think, less accessible in a way, but it also makes them funnier to laugh at. They're way more caricatures than characters. Totally. Um, I think this movie is a lot less smart than Knives Out was. I would agree with that 100%. I really didn't love it on the first watch. I don't even think I liked it, but I have so much faith in Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker who, who in addition to these movies, made Brick, which is a movie I will die on the hill of. Still need to watch it. So good. Um, better better than both of these, in my opinion. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, by the way, already a great reason to watch. Um, but I had enough faith in Johnson to watch this movie again, and knowing a little bit more what to expect, I understand why he didn't want to call it. Yeah, you know, a knives out because it's not the same vein almost at all, except for Benoit Blanc and mm-hmm. it, there being a murder, because uh, there is eventually a murder, um, not just for fun or for party tricks, which um, was fun. Was fun. Um, that said, I found this movie to be sort of a bummer of a payoff. I was really looking for more mystery. Still, it's still a fun watch. Um, it's fun to see all these characters interacting, and and when you get to pull back the layers of the onion, you start understanding what was happening with the plot. There's flashbacks and flash forwards and secret motivations and all that, and a twist. And there's a twist. Um, it's fun. It's it's good. It's not great. I still think Knives Out's better. So different. So different. But I think a better acted, better uh, shot, better written movie. Yeah. So I'm. I would if I had to pick, which I don't, but if I did, for sure, I would say the same thing for me, mm-hmm. but for like. Netflix audience mass like this movie is probably easier to consume for more people than Knives Out. Yes. I also do think the the reveal of sort of why everything's gone down the way we learned something about a character and it's just 
the greatest, like, okay. Like, so simple, it's annoyingly funny mm-hmm. when we learn why. Like, it's just great. And um, Benoit Blanc's reaction to this is, fa- I think Daniel Craig's great. He's, mm-hmm. yeah, I would also watch his movies. Yeah. Benoit Blanc's movies. Just, mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do this. We we meet him during the pandemic. It's, it's a pandemic dream. In a bathtub. Movie. In a bathtub playing, like, you know, some sort of clue adjacent sort of escape room game with his other friends on zoom. One of whom is a famous person that I can't remember right now. Uh, Angela Lansbury. No. And then the redhead. Oh yeah. Natasha. Yeah. Um, uh, Leon. Leon. Sure. Um, and Steven Sondheim was on that zoom as well. Yeah. And we also should shout out the random cameo of Ethan Hawke in this. Yeah. And Yo-Yo Ma. Uh, Did you catch that? No, I, no. Yo-Yo Ma is the guy when they're opening the box, he's at Birdie's party and he tells them what a, a oh, fuge, right, a right. fuge is. Uh, fuge? A fugue. Fugue. Yeah. It's a musical. Term. It's, it's not nice, nice tie in guitar. Actually. It's, it's not just what happens in Breaking Bad. I haven't seen all that show, nor oh, do I understand what you're talking about. The fugue, fugue state. It's a, it's all right, a all right. people that know, no, you don't. It's all fine. right. Um, anyways, I think let's give it an, you know, an out of 10 just to be proper. Dude, for me, honestly, it was like a, I would say it's like a seven, nine. Yeah. For me, it's a seven. Yeah. Watch I, it. It's on Netflix. It was so worth a watch. Uh, it's better than a movie you're going to talk about in hot and bothered, which is to say, are you ready for hot and bothered? Oh yeah. Hot Welcome to How I'm Bothered, everybody. It's where we talk about what's got us super jazzed or kind of PO'd for the week. Um, too easy of a segue not to have you go first with a bit of a bummer movie, right? Yeah, man. I right. saw maybe the worst movie that came out in the year 2021. Okay. It was a movie called Last Looks, and uh, this popped up on Hulu. The cast looked intriguing. Uh, Mel Gibson, Char- Charlie Hunnam. Intriguing is not the right word. It, it can't be. It looked like it had the recipe. It had ingredients. To maybe make a good meal. Okay. You know, you've you've got just enough for it to be like <laughs> I'm looking at the I'm sorry, right. I'm looking at the film poster. It looks like trash. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It was so bad. Again, but, came out December second, twenty twenty one, directed by Tim Kirby. Kirby. Uh, yeah. Um the the tagline of the movie is this city is a bad place to be a good guy. That's <laughs> so, awesome. I actually do kind of get the appeal because I would see this and be like, this is gonna be a terrible like a good, terrible movie. You know, it almost reminded me, the poster, if you're looking at it, reminded me of the hotel... Uh, Bad Times at the El Royale. Yes. I could see that. It, I got, got that kind of vibe, but then I watched the trailer, and I'm like, this doesn't look that bad. Yeah, the synopsis is, a disgraced ex-cop, who's that? Charlie Hunnam. Okay. Seeks solace by moving to the woods, but his quiet life comes to an end. Is He dies? No, his quiet life comes to an end. When a private eye... Who's that? Uh, his ex-wife. His private eyes, the private eyes, his ex-wife? Or ex-girlfriend. Okay. Recruits him to investigate the murder of an eccentric TV star's wife. Whose mm-hmm. wife is that? That's Mel Gibson. Okay. How does Mel Gibson fit into all this? He is the, he's a famous actor. Okay. And he does two accents in this movie, neither of which are his native accent. Awesome. Yeah. He plays a British actor in this movie. And in the movie, the TV show that he stars in, He's got a very southern Colonel Sanders uh, foghorn leghorn type yeah, okay. accent happening. Great. Um, okay, so give me your give me your overview of this movie, <sighs> man. It was so cringy and just terrible. I like Charlie Hunnam as an actor. I think he's got real chops and potential when given a good script mm-hmm. and good direction. Uh, this was a terrible script, 
and I don't know how much direction could have saved this. I don't, I don't, I don't know if any director in the world saving this movie. Okay, uh, it might have, but it would need a whole script overhaul. I mean, he's supposed to be this dis, like disgraced detective that um, comes back, and he's supposed to be like a great investigator. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of a, a Benoit Blanc, Sherlock Holmes. Like he's built up in this way, where you're like, he's a genius. His whole interrogation technique is just yelling at people he wants information from. Right. Just asking them questions point blank. Okay. It's so bad, and the it, the plot just progresses like just a car crash, and the car is just rolling mm-hmm. and rolling and rolling. It's funny you point out bad times with the El Royale being related, because because a lot of people on Letterboxd are calling this a neo noir comedy, which, albeit. You know, Bad Times was not a comedy, but it was um, a very self-aware neo-noir film. Yeah. Uh, This person, Jordan Beaumont Anderson, says, It has everything I love, a detective who's a fucking disaster, face progressively more bruised, thinks he's smart, knows he's dumb, wears a stupid hat, a jovial henchman just doing their job, an ostentatious, morally collapsed attorney, a bone-deep hatred for the wealthy and all their work. Uh, a hot lady with a secret who's clearly trying to be a honeypot, but our dude is too horny to care. <laughs> Another hot lady that must die to ignite the inciting incident. A mystery so convoluted it's indecipherable when sober. <laughs> all of that, which sounds correct for for yeah. you know a, a neo noir film, it all works, but nothing really fizzes. Nothing exudes in its own light. It just rolls along a squishy mass on a gentle hill, not going anywhere fast, but a definitely squishy but mass. definitely heading down. I love that. That's maybe my favorite sentence from a movie review it's ever. A, it's a good It's a good move. Yeah, it was garbage, dude. Don't watch it. It's available on Hulu, and if you watch it, you should just slam your head in the door. All right, that's Last Looks. Check it out if you want. Um, I did something more worthwhile with my time, which is the Chico Tap Room Challenge, which is a thing I made up with my friend Rob. They have 40 beers on tap, and we thought we'll drink all of them in one sitting. You're going for the high score in your app. I Yeah, I really am. Uh I had a tough week. You you were mad. (laughs) I told you I was going to get the high score. Yeah, and I had to come back from it. No, so the Chico Tap Room is a place I play pretty regularly. I play music, um, and they offer five-ounce pours. So we did the math. That's 200 ounces if we each split the five ounces, um, which is about eight-ish beers apiece. Not a ton. Not nothing. That was my day on Sunday. We did it. We we took in burritos. We we hydrated appropriately. Did a whole Instagram story update. and we laid them all out. It was a very long chain of glasses. We could see the pint glasses uh, where we hydrated with water along the way. And I just want to say we did it. That's impressive. Okay. Uh, something a little bit more meaningful. Uh, I got a new book by Kevin Hart. It's an audio book. It's an Audible exclusive. It's called Monsters and How to Tame Them. I've started the, started the book today. I'm about 25 minutes in. It's great so far. It's very Kevin Harty. If you like his personality, you like the book. It's all about identifying um, things that might be holding you back in life, things that are in your own brain that you've created and how to uh, analyze those, deconstruct them, and, and move forward as a better, uh, more healthy person. I'm really nice. loving it so far, uh, Monsters and How to Tame Them. I Very like good. It. Nice. What else you got? Uh, so I watched one of the most soul-crushing, tear-inducing movies that I've ever seen. Yeah, we talked about it. Last Looks. No, Paddleton. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> nice try. Yeah, Paddleton is a movie that came out in 2019. And let me set the stage for you and just give you little bit of story why I would want to watch something like this. When I am sick or like depressed or just feeling shitty in general, I like to watch movies that are soul crushing to make my problems feel less smart, smart, um, smart. inescapable. And I had a sinus migraine yesterday that was like crippling. Like I woke up at 5 a.m., rolled over, and my head was throbbing. So I just got up and went to work. Okay. 
uh, got off early, got a bunch of meds, got a cheeseburger, and was like, all right, cheeseburger and a bag of chips. I'm mm-hmm. going to just lay on the couch, feel some things. And oh, boy, you want to watch a movie that will make you feel some things. Mm-hmm. So, again, this came out in February 2019. It was directed by Alexandre. Sure. I don't know if it's a man or a woman. Just go for it. Alexandre Lemon. It's, it's probably Alexander. 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 Sure. Anyways, it stars, what's his name? Ray, Ray Romano. Romano. Ray. <laughs> Stop Sorry. It. Ray Romano and Mark Duplass. If you are familiar with The League, uh, you will know who Mark Duplass is. Yes. It's a show about fantasy football that Max has never seen. Or heard of. And he's been in, uh, he was really good in a series of horror movies called Creep. Creep, yeah. yeah. Fuck. He was in Tully. He was the husband in Tully, yes. the Charlize Theron movie. Great movie, too. Uh, Forgot about that one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Those are. I think those are kind of the big ones. Yeah. But I knew him from uh, The League. Yeah. That's neither here nor there. The, the whole premise of this movie is basically that they are two neighbors and best friends. Okay. Uh, Ray Romano lives directly above him in a, like a fourplex. They live alone. They do everything together. They play this game that they made up called Paddle, Pad, Paddington. Or Paddleton. Paddleton. Paddington's it's, another day. That's another movie. Yeah. Uh, they play Paddleton every day and eat lunch. And then they make homemade pizzas and watch kung fu movies. Like it establishes this great friendship of two guys that seem kind of just on the fringe of loneliness. And uh, Mark Duplass's character, Michael, finds out that he has terminal cancer, <sighs> cancer and it's inoperable. And it's this whole – the whole movie is just about their relationship, being friends, being best friends – and eventually, uh, Michael decides, I want to end it before it gets mm-hmm. really bad. And I just feel like garbage. And so he finds this pharmacy that's like six hours away that will fill this prescription that's basically like a die with dignity mm-hmm. uh, type of euthanasia. And they go on a road trip and get a hotel. And it's just this morbidly dark comedy it's like a buddy comedy but one of them you know is gonna die oh my god yeah it's it's like the whale kind of kind of in in that it's just heavy here's a review from clara curtis on letterboxd five out of five stars it starts with a quote you're my best friend i know you unquote so funny and deeply human genuinely devastating but you don't even mind because paddleton holds your hand in the most tender of ways the entire way through it's grief done right in that its portrayal is the most simple of ways. I think sometimes films examining the inevitable loss go the route of including adventures that are larger than life, which are fun but feel so detached from the reality of watching someone you love leave right before your eyes. But not Paddleton. The adventures are so easily categorized as mundane, but for the two men of Paddleton, they're anything but. This is their life, a beautiful existence, all about a passionate platonic friendship thrown a curveball. Yeah. It was powerful, man. They're, this is like a movie I'm going to remember. Like, yeah. I loved it. Uh, so heartfelt. It felt so human. Mm-hmm. It was just, yeah, it was necessary. I openly bawled nice. on my couch with my cats. It felt so good. And it was an incredibly worthwhile film to watch about friendship and love and loss and shaking hands with the end. It was super intense. Definitely not fun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I like fun, entertaining movies a lot of the time. I think mm-hmm. that's more on brand for me, mm-hmm. but this one, uh, Definitely made my headache feel insignificant sure. and uh, turned my day around. Would this movie have been better or worse with Benoit Blanc in it? Worse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to figure out what's wrong with your cancer and what, fix it. What are the symptoms? Who murdered you? As he oh, lights a cigar. Unidentifiable. <laughs> yeah. Lung cancer, you say. <laughs> and at the end, the big reveal is the real killer is cancer. It is cancer. <laughs> 
Uh, well, that's on. That's uh, again, Paddleton. That's on Netflix. If you want to watch it, I mean, uh, you've been sufficiently warned, sure. Max, and you, the listener. Yeah. Um, but I, I honestly think it's worth a watch. Great. If you're in the mood for something heartfelt, you do have to have Netflix. But I'm going to give you a recommendation for something you definitely have if you're hearing my voice, which is a podcast, and it's a podcast I guested on called Blockbusting with Jay Light. Jay is a comedian, amongst other things, who. Uh, clearly hosts a podcast where he has guests on to talk about movies they hate. And he invited me on and I took that as an opportunity to further talk about my dislike of Avatar The Way of Water, <laughs> um, which was real, really a treat for me. Um, we spent about, uh, I think it was maybe almost an hour, not quite, um, talking about the shortcomings of Avatar and some some things that I nodded to. Like, yeah, that's true. It's got some, it's got some, some um, merit? Merit, sure. Some that I addressed on this show. I felt like I was rehashing some stuff, but it was super fun. Um, that's available wherever podcasts are, Blockbusting with Jay Light. Highly recommend it. It was a fun episode. You can catch some clips from that on the uh, sure. on our Instagram mm-hmm. feed. There's some reels on that. And uh, yeah, you're both pretty funny guys, and uh, I have enjoyed what I've heard. Thanks, man. Uh, do you have anything else this week on anything uh, the myriad that we've covered? God, no. We've talked so much. Okay. The show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Monarty. But anyways, thanks to all of our friends on Handlebar. And Patreon is where you can get a happy hour. I'm Max Minardi. <laughs> I'm Johnny Summers. Drink some stuff that makes you sizzle. And uh, we'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.